Welcome to Restitch America, a podcast about restoring civility, strengthening patriotism, and rebuilding unity in America. My name is Almohine Opari. As an immigrant for nearly two decades and a new American citizen, I created this show to help heal our national conversation, to rekindle our pride in our country, and to rebuild our sense of patriotism through optimism, civility, and willful positivity. Now sit, relax, and let's restitch America. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Restitch America. My name is Almohine Opari, and I'm very excited to be here with you today. Today, I have with me a special guest who um, we're going to have a really awesome conversation with, and her name is Catherine Vallejos. But before we get to that point, um, I wanted to take an opportunity to ask you for your help. Um, In order for us to grow this platform, we need people to support it. And so if you have never shared our podcast with someone, please consider doing so today. Don't postpone it. Just do it right now. So, and, and also go to our social media platforms. If you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram or TikTok, wherever you are, go and follow Restitch America and also subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you are notified when we have new content available. And then also another important thing is for you to connect with our guests. The reason we select these people and bring them on is so that we can be mutually beneficial to each other. So please go follow our guests. If you want more information about them, you will get that information in the description of this video. So um, thank you so much for your support so far. And I'm going to do my introduction with Catherine. And <laughs> uh, just to give you a little bit of a, a background here. So Catherine and I met over social media. She actually reached out to me and and asked if she could interview me. So uh, she she and I had an interview a few weeks ago, and it went really well. And so I invited her back to come and join us here. And Catherine is going to tell us a little bit about herself. But before she does that, I wanted to give you a little sense of who she is. So Catherine is actually currently based in Spain. And she is a journalist who is passionate about God, truth, and fighting cancel culture. She is starting her journalistic project right now. And she, even though she's based in Spain, she's focused on American politics. And so go follow Catherine. If if you've come across her, great. But if not, we will give you her information and I'll let her tell you towards the end of this podcast so you know how to go and find her and follow her. So, for now, let's let's start with the discussion. So, Catherine, tell us a little bit about your background and why American politics, of all things that yes. you should be doing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, first of all, thank you so much for having me here in your podcast. I feel very honored. And, yeah, and, you know, I, I totally appreciate you. So, that's amazing being here. And I am Peruvian, and I grew up in Peru until... When I was 10 years old, me, my family, and I would decide to move here to Spain. The family of my mom is from Spain. So basically, we moved because in the decade of the 90s, it was like terrorism there. 
So it was like pretty chaotic. My even if I have like a good childhood, but because in the neighborhood where we live, the school where we go and everything, it was like pretty, not pretty good place where stay. And also the country was getting um it was the things were very uh, getting very complicated with terrorism and all this stuff. So that's why my family and I decided to move here. So I am 35 years old. So I have been living here in Barcelona, Spain, uh, 25 years. So yeah. And why politics? <laughs> that's interesting. Um, I was accustomed since I was a child and when I was little uh, to watch news almost every day. And for some reason, the politicization always called my attention. And thinking and considering what about American politics is because I always was amazed when it was the section of politics from United States. And also there's some... Um, um, the secretary, the, the, the secretary, um, Condoleezza Rice, I used to love her, like how she expressed her speech and everything. And I feel like just observing her or just, you know, like learning more about her, like makes me get a little bit in American politics, but also because I think uh, whatever happened in United States is going to happen around the world. And I think that's very, very important. So that's basically why American politics. Also because I grew up in American school and I always had like a huge connection with United States. So I think it's a lot of facts and things that makes me to engage with American politics. That's that's very interesting. So my next question to you is, so you are into American politics, but who cares about American politics in Spain? Is that something that people are talking about? Or do you find that it's just you reaching out into the American social media scene that you're getting audience? Do people in Spain care? Um, Not really. I feel like people, the people that care here, it used to be like more conservative people. I don't know why. But usually here in Spain, we have like uh, people in society in general is like pretty leftist, so not a lot. But I I just realize conservative people they really care. But if we have to talk in general, not really nobody cares. So it's so funny because people always tell me, "But why America? Like why you don't focus in politics in Spain or in Europe? Like why America if you don't even live there?" And, and no, but I, I feel since I uh, start my project and post my videos and people that know me, people are interested, obviously. Um, and that's my goal. Like, you know, like be one of the first journalists here in Spain specialized in American politics so I can uh, engage more people into the American politics and they can also um, learn how, how, how work the world because American politics has to do a lot in the world. Definitely. Yeah. American politics affects a lot of things in the world, even considering yeah. some of the things that are happening in the world right now. Right. Um, America is backing Israel and that has implications all around the world. And so America, I, I have always seen America as, you know, they say the last best hope for freedom in the world. And I know that as America, as a country, we haven't always lived up to our values However, I know that America is still very important and a crucial player in the safety and security of the world. And so that that's that's I think American politics is relevant for a lot of countries even if, you know, they don't realize that connection. So, 
Um, before we go into any more of the politics side of things, so you said you left Peru at the age of 10 because of all the terrorism and other things that were going on there, basically some political instability over there. And that yeah. brought you into Spain. So um, did you move with your entire family? Do you have siblings? Tell us a little bit about yeah. the domestic yeah, side of I your move. life. I move with my parents and I have two siblings, a brother and a sister. Actually, my sister is living in the United States. <laughs> so how you can see, I have a lot of connections with the United States. I have also aunties and cousins in, in different parts of the United States. So yeah, we moved here and it was a pretty interesting childhood here in Spain. Because um, when I arrived here, me and my family, we were one of in the first wave of immigration here. So basically, people they don't even know what was immigrant. We obviously look different because we are, you know, from other country. We speak with different accent, different costumes, different cultures. And it was a pretty interesting childhood, pretty interesting childhood. Um, and yeah, I think for my sister, she for her, it was a little hard to adapt here because she was a teenager and she had all her friends, her crew in Peru. So for her, it was a little hard. But for me and my brother, my brother, he was five years old and I was 10. So it was it was nice, but it was um, interesting because here in Barcelona, well, in here is the state of Catalonia. And in Barcelona, we speak Catalan. So I had to learn that language, which I love. I really love Catalan. And it was pretty interesting. And I learned in three months. Like it was, it was very, I was very successful in that. Obviously, I was a kid. And when you are a child, you learn easy things. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was interesting. Um, it was interesting when I was in the school, the relationship with with the other, with other kids and sometimes how they were talking to me in Catalan. Sometimes they do for help me. Sometimes when they don't want you in the group, they were using Catalan for, you know, for take me away. But I don't know, it was, um, it was hard sometimes, but, but I, I was loving, I was loving. And, and yeah, and my life obviously here it was a little different than in Peru because in Peru my family they had like another situation or another yeah another different situation like here. So my parents basically they had to start from the beginning like from zero. So obviously they had like a good uh, jobs in Peru like companies or business, and here they have to start like from nothing. So that was a little shocking, not for me but for my parents, but. I obviously saw them mm -hmm. and that helped me and teach me to be thankful for everything. Because one day you can be here, but the other day you can be here. And at the end, you have to value people for what for what they for what they are know or for what they have. So exactly. yeah, that's oh, a good lesson so that I learned from my childhood. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. All right. So let's talk about your preferred career, which is journalism. Now, journalism yeah. has, I believe, especially in America, American journalism has lost a lot of credibility. So yeah. what we call in America, the mainstream media, you know, they have been, I believe, the catalysts for the so-called misinformation and disinformation in our country. So when you turn on the TV, just like you said, in Spain, a lot of um, the, the media is pretty left-leaning. 
And it's really hard to get a fair kind of balance between um, both sides. And even though the media wants us to trust them, they don't treat us like we are people who are sensible and able to make decisions, right? The media is basically colluding with the government to lie to us, think COVID and, and all the, the lies we heard during COVID, right? They collude with the government to lie to us. And then when you challenge the media or you challenge the government, you're called a conspiracy theorist, you're called an extremist, and so on and so forth. So what is the state of journalism and what is your approach to journalism? Are you opinion? Are you fact? How are you navigating that journalist world? That is an interesting question. <laughs> so uh, my approach is like, I really like and love interviews because I love people and I'm very passionate. And I feel like when you interview personalities or people in general, you get the most human part because I feel like in politics in a specific people is accustomed to see on TV like someone like fighting sometimes or making rules or you know like very formal and I feel like when you approach to someone as an interview you can get that human part that sensitivity like they don't used to show um in a congress or stuff like that so so yeah I I love interviews and I'm super accustomed to that um, but also, I since COVID, I became a lot more of opinion. So yeah, I like I I don't know like if opinion or critical, <laughs> but I I definitely most of my posts or some of my posts are opinions about cancel culture, about science and COVID. Also, I have a, a degree in scientific, a master's degree in scientific communication. So that gives me a little authority to post things about science referring to COVID, for example, that it was like a huge science crisis the whole world had the last years. So, so yeah, but if I have to choose one, definitely I choose love interviews. I think with a good interview, you can have a lot of information of, of people and, and different different things. Yeah, um, I love that too, because I feel like a lot of times we lose that human connection and we see people on TV and we make assumptions about people's lives. We see people out when we go about in our, our daily lives and we make all these assumptions. And I think in some way, because of social media, because of our phones, we're losing that human connection, that human touch. And so when someone interviews someone and opens them up, you know, to that vulnerability and, and yeah. you get to understand kind of who they are and, and how they think when they're not, you know, acting for everybody to see, that allows us to recognize the humanity um, between each of us. And I think that's something that is really necessary. Now, you said yeah. that you were one of your your, I would say your goals or your positions is to fight against cancel culture. So a lot of people talk about cancel culture, but what does cancel culture mean to you? What is the definition of cancel culture to you? Okay, so I will give you my personal definition. For me, cancel culture is censor what, everything that is right. That's that will be my definition of cancel culture. Like right now we live in a season when when you 
when you talk about things that are natural and normal, you are being um, cancelled or you are being censored. For example, we can see with this the with the gender ideology right now. If you say if you say to a man who believes he's a woman, if you say, "Hey, you are a man, you are transphobic, you are all the phobics you want, all they want." And they want to censor just because they say the truth. Oh, I don't know. Let's give you a, a little easy example. If you say the sky is blue, they want to censor you because they want to make you believe the sky is red or the sky is green. And it's like, what I need to believe some mental disorder in your mind just because you try and society approves you. So for me, basically, kinds of culture will be um, censor the truth. Okay, so yeah. censoring things that are obviously true, right? So 10 years ago, this would be absurd. If you if you went back in a time machine and you went back 10 years and you met somebody back 10 years ago and you told them, hey, there will be a time when saying men are men and women are women would be controversial. Like you would yeah. be banned on social media for speaking true facts. And, and so, yes, a lot, a lot has changed. And I think it was completely exacerbated during the COVID pandemic. Um, and, and that is when the media felt like they needed to put their thumbs on the scale. So rather than focusing on giving accurate information to people and letting those people make decisions, the media became what they believed was some kind of nanny that was yeah. supposed to protect us from yeah. ourselves, right? We were the dumb rubes who couldn't really understand the science, who couldn't assess the risks ourselves, and they needed to come in and save the day. So I know um, there were lockdowns in Spain, and how was the, the pandemic there? How was that experience? Oh my gosh, we are talking about very sensitive point. So here the pandemic was pretty chaotic, pretty, pretty chaotic. Um, the lockdown starts in March 15. And it was until probably like a year and a half ago, like it here, it was like so long, we had a very long lockdown. Here, basically, people were pretty crazy like with the mass mandates with the you know like with the um, with the hair with the um, suit the health yeah. sanitizer yeah the hand sanitizer um it was terrible even when I arrived the vaccine people was really terrible they really uh, media they were very especially polarized this like they really create a division in society because it was the part of conspiracy theories, like maybe I was there, maybe you was there, I don't know. But every time that I was posting things, people's, people was telling me, like, why are you posting this? You are being irrespectful. You're trying to indoctrinate me. You are trying to obligate me to think and see things how you, how you see and how you think. And for me, it was like, you know, like, I'm just trying to show you what it is, like no, not my truth, like just something objective. So here it was pretty crazy. Like a lot of people go to the supermarket, to the paper towels, like in the whole world. And it was a lot of lines, like uh, even we got a, a COVID uh, passport, the vaccine passport. 
So it was, it was a time where you weren't allowed to go to a coffee shop or to, I don't know, to restaurants or, or that kind of places if you didn't have the COVID passport. So here it was pretty, pretty, I don't know what term to use, like pretty nasty. <laughs> I don't know, but here it was, it was really terrible. Like the government and the media. They really separate people. They, um, and they're really hard, hard to people, definitely like to the conspiracy part. Even if we don't call, cause we don't think we are conspiracy, but who the people who think we are conspiracy, like mm-hmm. they, um, they make us a lot of pain. And yeah, COVID was, was terrible. The prices of the food increased and, you know, like people were super scared. I remember every day at seven, around 7 p.m., all the people in, in the whole country, they just decide to go to the balcony and clap, clapping for one minute, I think. I don't remember how many minutes in you know, for in for for being grateful and in favor to all the um, doctors and nurses that were you know like facing that, but it was it was it was chaotic. It was it was really really chaotic. Even if you go to the street without mask, it was the police giving you a paper. You know, and I got one for example with because I was without mask. So. I feel like here, uh, that restrictions take us a lot of our freedom. That they stole part of our freedom. So, so yeah. And right now, uh, it seems like the mass mandate we don't have anymore. But the mass has first been here for more time, you know, because it's now it's like normal seeing people in the street with masks. Not a lot of people, because. I really feel and I really see that a lot of people has awakening for that situation and for that circus, show circus that I call. But but yeah, I still see people in the bus, in the subway, in, in the streets uh, with masks. Not a lot, but but some of them, it seems like some people really create a trauma with that. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, I feel like it exposed a lot of things the things that we thought our government would not do, right? Things yeah. that we we were under the impression that, hey, our government really cared about our individual liberty and cared about our rights and so on. But then it seemed like as soon as they found a vehicle that they could use to usurp those rights, they immediately like globbed onto it and started usurping those rights. And people in America lost their jobs. Um, the nurses and the doctors that we were applauding all the essential workers, when the vaccine came and they said, hey, I, I'm making a personal choice not to take a vaccine. That's when they started threatening people and taking away their jobs and really, yeah. really pushing people to, to do something they didn't want to do, which for me, I think it showed us, it opened our eyes and allowed us to see that we cannot trust the government like when the government has a chance, they will take away your freedom. Yeah, yeah, right? definitely. We can trust our government. I will say in nothing because right now, you if you you are a parent, right? You are a father. So if you go, if you send your children to the school, you can even trust them because they're trying to indoctrinate with ideologies that they are not right. So I feel like 
for those who think the government will save you or they think they, the government will save you, you are believing a liar because the government is not interested in your safe. They're interested in stole your money, in, in, in brain, in, in brainwash your brain, in wash your brain. And, you know, like, and just creating a culture of fear. Like here in Spain, I, I just see like a lot of people living in fear, like, Right now, if, if you go into the, into the public transportation and someone is coughing, like people look to you like bad. And that two, three years, three years ago never happened that. And you have to be very careful. And, and yeah, I think like with the COVID, um, definitely the whole world suffers. But for me, it helps me or teach me or show me. That's the word. Show me who were really my friends and my people who can really know. Because definitely have like a really good people. But because I really feel also uh, the COVID, all the COVID situation, if you weren't with so much emotional intelligence and you get so passionate and so emotional, you're involved your emotions in all of that. Definitely you, you get, you involve your emotions, right? Um, but if you are not very mature, you were able to lose people because they weren't believe what you believe or they were so afraid and scared. So after COVID, I was analyzing the other day, my social life changed completely. I lost some of my friends and I gained another good friends. And that showed me, and I will say something also in specific and in church, I really had to move to another church because in the church I was attending, everyone was vaccinated. And they they arrived to say, like, if you don't get the vaccine, you don't have the love of God. So that was really crazy because that even infect churches and, you know, like creating a fear culture in atmosphere when you don't have to live in fear. So it was very, very interesting, the, the COVID stuff. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit. So you, of course, are familiar with what is going on around the world. Um, October 7th, we know exactly what happened in Israel. Um, There was a terrorist attack. And one of the things that has shocked me to my core is the response of the world to those attacks. And the fact that everybody immediately turned away from the attack itself and started pointing fingers at Israel. And yeah. my question to you is, what um, what have you seen around, um, as you have kind of, you know, followed the news on that? How is it being received in Spain? Or do you have protests over there? Um, what about what you were seeing on social media around this particular topic? Yeah, about this particular topic, um, definitely I have seen a lot of people um, against Israel in favor or supporting Palestine. And also you can see sometimes like the ignorance of population and don't know the problem because the problem it has like centuries ago. It's not something like it happened just now. 
So here, definitely, uh, living in a leftist country, obviously the government is supporting Palestine. A lot of, you know, like all the leftist people and the feminists going in protest uh, supporting Palestine with the flag. So even LGTB and the Palestine flag there. Yeah, it's very crazy. And also people is blaming. That was interesting news that I read like today and I was laughing. One of the ministers here was blaming the president of Spain, like basically saying it was his fault, everything that is happening with Palestine and Israel. And it was like, what's wrong with that? So, yeah, here definitely people is not supporting Israel. There are conservative people, obviously, they are in favor of them or they support them. But here in Europe, there's a lot of um, of hate with Israel. And and also I have seen in in Paris, it was uh, one of the city's most attacks in Europe right now because Paris has a lot of a a huge uh, Muslim uh, population there. So, yeah, like the Palace Versailles was evacuated eight times in one week. The Louvre Museum has to be evacuated also. So Paris right now, if you want to go Paris, don't go Paris right now because it's pretty chaotic now or you have to be safe. Uh, but yeah, I have seen also a huge protest in supporting Palestine in UK, in London, which something like surprised me. And also in, in Dublin, no, Berlin, I think in Berlin also. So, so yeah, the people is, um, against Israel. And I think like the media also play an important role and part here, right? Because they are manipulating things. That remind me the, the war of Ukraine with between Russia, right? So the media create their own narrative and the people who is very emotional and not able to see what's the real problem. They, they fell very easy into that narrative and they believe obviously and they support a liar or they don't know that the whole part of the story 100%. So yeah, basically here um, in Spain, uh, the government, the summary will be like the government, they support Palestine and they don't want to know anything with Israel, which breaks my heart, obviously. Hmm. It's it's definitely shocked me as well. Um, I think we are in a place where um, anti-Semitism is now out in the open. And we thought that because of the Holocaust and and the the memories of the, that, you know, atrocity, that, you know, all this was behind us, right? Said never again, never forget. And yet, it seems like those sentiments are not dead. Um, those sentiments are still alive and well. And I think there needs to be a distinction made, right, between saying, hey, there are innocent Palestinians who today are suffering. Definitely. And and being pro-Palestinian is not necessarily a bad thing. However, what people are doing is they're giving cover to a terrorist organization, which is Hamas, right? And they're giving cover to a terrorist organization. And when they're speaking about what is going on, you're not hearing people say, for instance, hey, why is Hamas stopping the innocent Palestinians from leaving the areas that are being bombed? Why are they putting in roadblocks? Why are they saying 
that they want people to be martyred, why are they saying that they want the blood of their own women and children to be spilled? Because they believe somehow that that is the that is the the most noble thing you can do is to be a, ma- a matter for the for the cause. So if you're going to talk about what Israel is doing, you have to also recognize in that same breath that the reason that Israel is in Gaza right now is because they were attacked. Yeah. Right. They were attacked, and that attack was not a resistance to occupation. It was not a resistance to apartheid. It was an attack on innocent civilians who in many cases are people who probably would have raised a flag and said free Palestine, especially those kids who were at the concert, right? Yeah. And so this was an indiscriminate attack. And the fact that people are giving cover to Hamas as they commit this atrocity is what has really really shocked me. So right now I have a video that I posted that is going, seems to be going viral for some strange reason. And it's it's this conversation going back and forth. And I think one of the challenges in talking about this issue is the fact that we are all not using the same words, right? In the West, we're saying there's an occupation, there's an open air prison, and there are blockade and so on and so forth. And so we're talking in terms of political language, right? We're yeah, using political language. But when you talk to Hamas and you talk to some people in Palestine, you find that they're not using political language. They're using language like we need to eliminate the Jews. So they're talking yeah. about human beings. They're not talking about a government. They're not talking about yeah. a state solution. They're actually talking about eliminating a certain type of people. Right. That's yeah. part of their charter. And and in the West, we pretend as if that does not exist and everything is just a political struggle, but it has nothing to do with politics for the people who are perpetrating the events that happened on October 7th. And yeah, I'm ranting a little bit, but um, what do you think the public is missing in this conversation? What do you think um, and what do you think can be done? You know, as for instance, you know, you as a journalist, what can the people in the media do to kind of lay the facts bare so people understand what is going on? I think um, in media right now, there's a lot of people who talks about everything and they don't know nothing about what they are talking. What I want to try to say is like we need journalists specialized in specific topics. And I think we need people, maybe more journalists specialized in that topic in between Israel and Palestine, because um, a lot of people definitely is missing the point. And how I say before, this is a, a, a conflict, like it was happening like centuries ago. It's not like recently. So I think obviously media is creating a narrative, a fake narrative. And Definitely, there's no a lot of uh, media and journalists prepare for fight depolarization because right now, basically, um, media, um, a lot of journalists, they are surrounding to the to the leaders who are in the power and the leaders who are in the power, they want basically journalists being their puppets, you know, and follow their stories. And that's what's happening right now. Like we don't have 
real journalism anymore. What we have now is just people that they want to count stories. They want to pursue a career. And I don't care if that story that this media is explaining me is true or not. I just want to be there. So I think we need like, um, be, you, we need more rigor right now because we are missing a lot of information. Like we are missing the sources. Who is my source? I can trust this source. What I'm, what I'm sharing that, um, article, what I'm sharing that information. People don't contrast information. So I think, um, one of the problems right now is like choose, um, have critical thinking. I think we have lost, we have lost as a society in general, critical thinker. And that be, that became more of the journalist. So that becomes more of the journalist with no critical thinking anymore. They don't have critical sense anymore, common sense. So I would say that, yeah, and we're missing definitely uh, a lot of part of the history. And I would love to know more about Israel and Palestinian problem, which I know uh, the basic, right? I, I would love to give you a more profound answer with in that question. But if I feel definitely um, we need a more rigor, more rigor in, in journalism for for explaining what is going on. Because I, I think I have written different uh, medias in, in different countries and they completely lost the focus. They are... I feel like media in this um in this century they are more focused in in create um in create stories of um stories of fear terrific and stories just for have people in alert all the time right but they are not really caring anymore about what really is happening. I'm, I'm going to say the things, how it's happening. So, so yeah, I don't know if that responds to your question. <laughs> that's that's perfectly fine. So um, I want to wrap up with um, a series of questions around America. And so if you had the opportunity to speak to, let's say, the American college student, right? The American college student who is looking at America and saying, well, this country is bad. This country has a bad history. This country has, you know, it's not exceptional and so on and so forth. I want to kind of hear from the perspective of an outsider on what college students and what the young people in America don't realize about their own country and the privileges that they have potentially from your perspective that they don't realize that they have okay something i will say and i don't want to offend anyone i from the outside definitely american society they need to cultivate more the intellectual and know more about the world because my experience in the united states always been around people they only know the story of the united states and the history of the united states but they don't know anything about other parts of the world and for understand the world is very important to read what was happening in Europe, what was happening in Africa, what was happening, you know, in Asia, in not just in America. So I would say like they have lack of um, culture and something positive and some privilege. They live in a country with so much freedom, maybe more than others. And in a country that gives you a lot of opportunities for growth as a professional, as a person, it's really easy to have a business, more easy than, for example, here in Spain. 
And I would say that like uh, the negative thing will be like lack of culture and information and the privilege will be like you guys live in a country with a lot of opportunities, maybe the the best country in the whole world, like you can be whatever you want. And I think that's something we need to, or you need to take the chance and use it in, in a very wisely way. Yeah, that's what I will say to them. All right. Uh, thank you for sharing your opinion on that. And I don't want to keep you too long today. So um, thank you, Catherine, for joining me today on our podcast. And um, I'm very excited to have had you here today. And I'm hoping that we will keep in contact with each other. But I want to give you a chance to let others know where to find your content. So where can people go to find you? And I will put this in the description of the video as well. So if you don't get it, that's okay. But I'll have Catherine tell us where do we go to find you? Yeah, well, for the moment, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I used to post videos. I used to a little bit, but I'm going to retake again my posting videos. And my Instagram account, it's Euristica News. I'm pretty sure you will post it yeah, later. Yeah, I will post it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, basically. And I'm trying to uh, post videos in a YouTube channel. I don't have it. I mean, I have the, the channel, but I don't have post any videos yet. But I'm going to be posting uh, as soon as I can. But basically, for the moment, Instagram. Awesome. So we will put your Instagram information in the description of the video. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was nice to hear the perspective of other people outside of America. I have lived in America for about 20 years now. And so I have lived here longer than I lived in my home country. So I am pretty much, I would say, American right now. And it was nice to hear the perspective of someone from somewhere else um, and how they, they think about America and the things that are happening here and around the world. So thank you for joining me today. And with that, um, once again, like, share, subscribe. Let us know what you think about the guests that we have. And if you know someone who you believe will be great to have on the show, please let us know by going to contact us at restitchamerica.com. Contact us at restitchamerica.com. Send us those emails. Let us know what you think. And we hope to see you once again next week. Have a good day.